Welcome to episode 28 of Jesus and the Meteorologist. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and I'm your host. Our subject is discernment, and our aim is to teach, to elevate your minds, and to exalt your courage, to accelerate and animate your industry and activity, and to excite in you an ambition to excel in every capacity, faculty, and virtue. Our mission is to inspire young men and women and their parents to understand the present in order to prepare for the future, a task that necessarily demands a proper interpretation of the past. Our aim is to highlight the antithesis between the way of the Lord and the ways of the world, between the truth of Scripture and the opinions of men, so that we might reflect the light of life in a culture of death. Well, we're going to do something a little different today. We need a little music to underscore our theme this week, which is change. That's nice. Little Cheryl Crow in the 90s. Nice. Oh, yeah. Eric Clapton. Well, by now, you're surely familiar with this constant refrain of the left about change. We need change. Change is good. Right? Seems that any change was better than the status quo. Yeah, that's yeah, nice. That's nice. All right. You thank you, thank you, Mr. Producer. <clears throat> yeah, I know. I, I love that. Change for the sake of change, though, um, and really with no reflection of what kind of change was being pursued. Bill Clinton was probably the first politician of the modern era to embrace the leftist deception that change is needed or that change is good, to refrain Sheryl Crow. His entire 1992 campaign for president and his eight years in office were marked by a constant call for change. Implicit in this call for change was an unargued assumption that things are not as they should be. Things could be better, you know. America has found it is bad. The American order of God-given rights and equal opportunity should be replaced with state-given rights and equally miserable outcomes for all. And that if we just elected a bunch of leftists to govern us, they would change things for our good, they said, so that everyone would share equally in the crumbs distributed to us at the foot of the table of the elites who had stolen power to rule over us. It was all a lie, of course, but undiscerning people are easily deceived by bread and circuses. In 2008, Barack Obama raised the ante, arrogantly telling us that, quote, we, meaning himself, are the ones we have been waiting for, end quote. And to accomplish this change, this fundamental transformation of America, he used the media, of course, and the media loved it because the media does spend all of its time gazing in the mirror, narcissistically engaged in its own destruction, foolishly destroying the First Amendment foundations upon which its existence depends. But that's another story for another episode. And because nobody in the Republican Party took it seriously, they just laughed it off, telling themselves that nobody could possibly go along with the radical views of a community organizer, the left advanced virtually unimpeded for another eight years. From 2016 to 2020, we gained a partial reprieve, Although by then the left's hooks had so deeply penetrated the meat of the American order by expanding its control of the bureaucracy and the culture that the best that could be mustered 
And by the way, that's M-U-S-T-E-R-E-D, not M-U-S-T-A-R-D, you know, which is a condiment that you put on your hot dog. <clears throat> or as Roger might be familiar with, his sardines. Roger, you eat or sardines. Or tortilla chips. Yep. They're good, on, they're good on tortilla chips, too. Or. Well, not sardines, mustard. All right. Quiz question. Mustard. Who ate mustard while playing hockey? Come on. Tanev. What's his first name? <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> uh, why do I want to say Brian? What's his oh, first name? Oh, Brandon Tanev. Brandon Tanev. Hey, mustard. Let's That's go a goal Brandon horn, by the Tanev. way. <laughs> goal horn. Who, unfortunately, is no longer with the Penguins. Brandon Tanev is now playing. Well, yeah, he's, he's injured. Yeah, he's with the Kraken, but he's out for mm-hmm. the season. Well, the best that could be mustard, M-U-S-T-E-R-E-D, by those who love America as founded was perhaps a slowing of the pace of these destructive changes whose origins actually in America date back to the early 1900s, the birth of the uh, deceptively named progressive era, but whose real beginnings became, uh, came, of course, from Satan himself, the evil one, the father of lies. When we return, our icebergs are going to join us for a discussion of whether or not these professors of change are really committed to their profession. You are listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. There are citizens in Tennessee working to reclaim the practice of self-governance in our state and ensure that a constitutional, Republican form of government is preserved to future generations. We are Tennessee Stands. Do you want to get off the sidelines and learn how to stand for liberty in your community? Join us at TennesseeStands.org and on social media at Tennessee Stands. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologist, a weekly squidget devoted to the topic of discernment. My name is Kevin Kukichi, and I'm your host. And no, Roger, we are not on camera. Roger's <laughs> sitting here to my right, waving to the camera <clears throat> because uh, Penelope is. Uh, let's see if the let's see if we can guess what you're eating by the sound of the crunch. Okay, that by the way would be a Dorito, right? No, a, oh, a cheese it. See, I'm wrong. A cheese it. All right, <clears throat> Winnie, you have something different. Okay. Let's see if you can give it a sound. <laughs> oh yeah. So that's just that a regular old Lay's classic yeah. <clears throat> potato chip. All right, here's mine. And Roger's going to do something different. <laughs> water water not not an ad for coca-cola by the way if, if you've gotten gas in your car in recent years do you ever have some of those gas stations have the commercials actually in the pumps and there's one next to the Publix in franklin that is coca-cola pouring so when you're putting gas in your car it always goes that <laughs> like yeah on a hot theater. summer day that sounds good all right, so Winnie, Roger, Penelope were in the studio with me today. Thank you. And we're going, going to now enter the... Palaces of Analysis. In order to examine and discern whether or not these professors of change are, and whether they have ever been, intellectually consistent with their expressed convictions that change is good or that change is always necessary. In short, we ask, icebergs, are these professors of change really committed to their profession? We'll first go around the room. Yes or no? 
No. Nope. No. Okay, so we agree on that. Technically, I guess that could have been an offices of hypothesis, but we're going to do more analysis. So to help oh, wow. us. Wow. So the offices of hypothesis had an opportunity to come back and just, <laughs> we just kept them out. Sorry, dude. I totally That's right. killed that fairy. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. I like palaces of analysis better, so we'll continue with it. Not sorry, Reese's. To help us with this analysis, why don't we examine some issues? Let's talk first about abortion. Tell me, I, because I, I want to expose this contradiction between when the world says they always want change and how we can demonstrate that they actually don't want change, or they only want change up to a certain point, and then they want permanence. So I'll open it up for discussion. In Tell me how this maybe manifests itself in the abortion debate. And if you need a little clock to help you think. Don't all speak at once. Okay, so <laughs> right now we have legalized infanticide right? Since at least 1973, Supreme Court Roe versus Wade. And since that time, we have been calling for change to the abortion laws to make murder once again illegal. And what is the response from the left to our attempts to change the laws back to their founding? They will have none of it. <laughs> okay. So would you say they're kind of casual about it? And they're like, okay, well, if you want that, you can change it back. No, um, definitely not. No. How would you describe them? They're very adamant that about like your body, your choice, which is not really true. It's not really your body. Right. Okay. That's really, that's actually a good subject for an, another episode too. Not our bodies anyway, right? God mm -hmm. created us, so we're not our own. But that's right. It's, it's stiff resistance, isn't it? Yeah, it's not casual. Oh well, they're very they're militant. I would say. Um, how about the issue of election integrity? Election integrity has been in the news prominently in the last couple of years, but it's actually been an issue that's been going on at least since the election of John F. Kennedy. So we're going back fifty, sixty years, where there has been a lot of um, voter fraud and voter fraud on a local level, voter fraud on a national level. And with the advent of technology, voter fraud has become very easy because as the evidence has come in, you can, you can pretty much do what you want. As you can imagine, it's not hard to imagine, right? If you have a piece of technology that's connected to the internet, it's not hard to populate that with additional votes and to change votes. We know that. So here we have originally a desire to change the voting system from paper ballots. And the complaint was, well, it's too hard, takes too long, let's get up with the times. And so now we have a virtual voting system all across the country, and there's no means, more and more we find out, all of the fraud that has been going on, there's no means of checking it. So there's been a movement to go back to paper ballots. It's been proven to be very not only possible, but it's going to be done, it can be done without any loss of time. Um, it can still be done in a day. There are systems that can be put in place. And yet the left, and really the entire Republican establishment, including, by the way, our own Tennessee Governor Bill Lee and our Republican Senator Jack Johnson, they are diametrically opposed to any changes from the current fraud-inducing internet-based electronically insecure voting procedures 
that the left has strategically arranged over the past couple of decades to assure their control and their selection of who gets into office. So would you say that they're all about it changing the election system class? No. Not anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nope. They've gotten what they want. So now they want some permanence, don't they? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about the border. Let's talk about the southern border in particular. Arizona, New Mexico, Texas. Right now we have effectively an all-open border. And we have people from 125 different countries entering our country, many of them um, young men of fighting age. Uh, we, we face a very dangerous and daunting task of turning that around. In order to do that, we need a not just a wall, but we also need virtual walls and the ability to be able to return uh, anyone who has crossed the border illegally. You see, the left's, the left's belief, well, the professed belief is, let's allow anyone who occupies this space to be here, right? Which undermines your entire culture, your entire purpose for being a nation. No nation in the history of the world has ever survived with open borders. And no nation outside the United States has open borders, right? Canada closes its borders. Mexico to our south is fierce in closing its borders. All of the countries of Europe and the countries of the Middle East, they're all very, very protective of of their borders. For some reason, the United States thinks we have to open our borders and we're the only ones who are being unfair if we close our borders. So the push to close the border, which we're losing right now politically um, at great risk to all of us, but the push to do that is met with what? Go ahead, change. Let's let's build up a let's build a wall. Let's let's prevent people from crossing the border. Do they want to change? No. You guys are one word answers today. <laughs> and, and, and kind of giving us one word questions. <clears throat> yeah. Any elaboration? And are they just passive about it, like with abortion? No. 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 Like with abortion, <laughs> right? They seek to prevent it. They're very resistant. They're adamant. They're militant. Okay, let's talk about education. What is the change that we seek in education? And is it met with acceptance? And yes, we ought to change, according to Cheryl Crow, or do they do something different? Well, I think we're pushing for more of a um, faith-based approach in our education system. And that's definitely been abandoned in the public school system and a lot of private schools as well. Okay. So we want also to have at a foundation parental control of curriculum, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least parental advice and consent at a minimum. And what's the response from the school boards and the teachers unions to that? <laughs> well, to the parental thing, it's what did the Tennessee is Tennessee um I'm forgetting school board director some said the like the parents basically the parents uh responsibility for their child stops at the school doors. Yeah, that was actually, I believe, the Williamson <laughs> County superintendent of schools. Can yeah. you imagine that? The parents' authority stops at the, what did he say? The At the school doors, I think. Yeah. Is that, or at the property, something like, basically in the school building. And said it w- without any hint of shame. Well, I it, know where I'm not sending my kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So would you agree that they're here again seeking to prevent and halt change? No. No. Yes. They are. They're, they're oh, sorry, seeking to prevent and halt change. 
Yeah, they're seeking to prevent. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, do they want change? They don't want change. They don't want change. Because they've changed it to the way they want it. Okay. How about the change within sexuality, homosexuality, trans, LGBTQ, RSTUVWXYZ, right? The whole alphabet soup, the alphabet people. They have changed definitions, and we've talked about that in prior episodes. Um, they've changed definitions, but they've not changed reality. And so if there's a ministry that seeks to uh, encourage and help someone out of the homosexual lifestyle, if there is someone who says, no, you don't have to live that way, is that kind of change met with acceptance by the alphabet people? No. No, they're not. You know, they're not just like, oh, well, sure. If you want to, you know, if you're willing to adopt adopt this kid or whatever and and raise them in a, a faith-based family in a, you know. One mom, one dad. One mom, one dad. Exactly. <laughs> the way God intended things to be. Um they don't just say, sure, yeah, you, you can do that. I'll just do my way. No, it's, it's their way or the highway. Yeah. The deceptive uh, approach that they took was for years when they didn't have power, they professed to be all about, well, everybody, you know, different strokes for different folks. But once they got into power, it's no longer different strokes for different folks. It's not just that they want you to accept their homosexuality they insist that you don't live except according to their homosexuality. Right? Yeah, and I think that's, like, <clears throat> I think this was Disney wants, like, 50% of their new characters to be LGBTQ, you know, alphabet soup, even though, and it, it's something like, I don't know the numbers, but there's yeah. a much smaller percentage a of the population. Digit, yeah, single-digit percentage of the population. Identifies and, as alphabet soup, and Disney <clears throat> wants to... Make 50% of their movies. Exactly. Yeah. That's really representative of society, isn't it? it? But that proves that they're not just accepting of change unless it's change that they want. Yeah. Right? Which we're going to get into in a minute. Let me talk about one more. Um, in Tennessee, for almost two years, our governor used executive power to basically act like a dictator of the state of Tennessee, declaring many of us non-essential people. We wanted change. They refused. We wanted legislation to free us from this kind of um, compartmentalizing of who's important and who's not and who could work and who couldn't. But the legislature and the governor refused, resorting to all manner of trickery and half measures to hold on to their stolen power. So here again, and this time even in the face of Republican power, who refused to change? The government. It's yeah. always yeah, the, the government. people in charge don't want to give up the power that they have. Yeah. They invested themselves with this power, and then they refused to give it up. Okay, so now what about the climate? What do we hear all the time with regard Don't to the climate? Don't change that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, you what? You dare to change the climate? <laughs> Driving mean, that car. <laughs> wait, so you mean I can't drive my truck because why? You might change the weather. Might change the weather. But I thought all change was good. Oh, this, no, 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 not no. this change, Yeah, not though. this change. All change is, is good, except for this certain kind. Yeah. So because if all, we said so. So if all change is good, and I think we've just demonstrated the indefensibility of that claim, whether we're talking about the alphabet people, education, the border, election integrity, abortion, whatnot, right? But if the left really believes that all change is good, why are they so obsessed with halting changes to the climate? 
why, for example, is change celebrated for change's sake except when it comes to the weather, at which point we're told we must what? Vigorously, rigorously govern our activities as if the temperature of the earth and our very existence depended on it. It's another ploy to make us live in fear and give them the control and have them be able to tell us exactly what to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, If they can be the experts about about the climate and have everyone... You know, everyone looking to them as to what to do concerning the climate. That's just one more place where they can control your life. Yeah. How do they reconcile this, by the way, with their beliefs about the nature and character of the world? I, they're all evolutionists, right? They've been telling us for 100 years that change is beneficial, right? And in fact, change is beneficial evidence of progress. So why now the obsession with preventing change of the climate? Yeah, maybe the... Once humans evolve into the next more, um, more survival advanced. of the fittest, we'll need warmer temperatures. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or maybe the warmer view. temperatures will just cause us to evolve with thicker skin or, yeah. you know, automatic fans that cool us off. <laughs> Those sounds to me like they're constantly changing the rules, aren't they? We. Oui. Yeah. <laughs> and why are they, why do you think they're changing the rules? What's behind this constant changing of the rules whatever um what did we what can't they change what have we talked about in previous episodes that they're unable to change so they resort to changing what they can change they can't actually change reality they cannot change reality so the best they can do is change the rules this call for change is actually a euphemism a code word for control someone i think winnie said control yeah We know this because the number of things to which the left dedicates its time, money, and passion to halt and prevent from change. Here again, we go back to abortion, election integrity, the border, education, alphabet soup, specific things in Tennessee. All of these things, they spend a lot of time to halt and prevent from change. And I think to such a degree that it actually outweighs what they actually wish to change. And the last two years have plainly illustrated that the evolutionists do not really believe in natural selection or survival of the fittest. Because if they did, they would have let the virus run its course without this inhumane isolation, masking, and seeking to mandate the shot, proving yet again that the evolutionists, like all of their fellow travelers on the left, are for special selection and survival of the politically favored political selection and survival of those who think and believe as they do. This, then, is actually discrimination by definition. The self-professing anti-discriminators, think about it. The anti-discriminators are, in fact, the discriminators-in-chief, as has always been the case, plain as day to the discerning. Any selection, anywhere, anytime, involves what? discriminating between one thing and another, between what you want and what you don't want. Hypocrites they are, and they revel in their hypocrisy now. But our job is to expose them, to tell them the truth as ambassadors for Christ. And the scriptures tell us the good news is that God will forgive them if they repent, but he will judge them if they continue in their rebellion. Indeed, they judge themselves. When we return, we will take a couple of questions from among the group, as per usual. This is Jesus and the Meteorologists. Meteorologists. 
So I wrote a little book all the way back in 2009 to address what was happening in America and what was likely to happen if we did not take corrective action. Unfortunately, too many of my predictions are coming true. The only surprise is the speed at which we have reached the precipice. The title of that little book is The Experts, and you can buy it on our webpage. Just go to JesusAndTheMeteorologist.com, click the image of the little brown book, and we'll send it to you for only $9.99. And then be sure to let me know what you think. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologist. My name is Kevin Kukichi, and I am, yes, still your host. <laughs> Tired of me yet? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Not, quite. Not quite. Almost. <laughs> Episode 28. Getting tired of me. <laughs> okay, so uh, any more snacks, by the way? You got any more of those chips? Those classic no. Lay's? Oh, Sorry. They look good. Oh, yeah. yeah I love the classic. Do you oh, do have you a couple? Some? Could I have one? Yeah. Making my mouth water. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so Roger, you had, a, you had a good question. I'll let you, while I'm eating these chips, <clears throat> you can ask your question. Yeah, so my question was, how long... Can society still exist? Thank with, you, Winnie. <laughs> with the the people who seek to change these rules, make everything up, upside down. <laughs> That's not distracting at all. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, so the people who seek to change the rules of society, like they can only get so far. And how long is <laughs> at least useful society, if not society altogether, going to be able to last with these <clears throat> upside down rules? Right. So one of the examples we talked about was homosexuality. Right. It depends for its continuation. It needs people. And where do people come from? People come from heterosexual union. And despite all their pretensions that men can be pregnant and that women can be men and they can by, by surgeries and whatnot make change the way the body appears. Number one, we know they're not able to change the chromosomes. And number two, they're actually not able to ever change the reality, which is for a person to be formed. You need male and female. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether you put that male part through a female body and the female part through a male body. Like they can medically change that. You're not changing the reality, which is you need male and you need female to join together for the procreation. Mm -hmm. So for that to be the case, the entire lie is exposed because they, the left will claim that they only want one way. But that one way will cease to exist at some point if we were so foolish yeah. as to actually go along with it. And I don't believe that it, they really want everyone to be that way because I think in, the, in their heart of hearts, they know that people will cease to exist. I think it's a great question, but it, it raises this issue of permanence. What, what do they expose themselves to be um, rather than to be agents of change? They really are agents of what? Permanence in a bad way. Yeah, permanence in an entirely different way. They seek to describe themselves, identify their cause as a cause of change, as if this is a noble cause, we're to change for the better. But the reality is they only want change to a certain point. They want to change the way things God created. They want to change things that make them uncomfortable or unhappy. But once they achieve their destiny then they don't want any further changes at all. In fact, they're more militant, aren't they, about keeping their new order, their new permanence, than we have ever been. Our side has, has unfortunately 
gone along with this idea of, oh, okay, we can let them change different strokes for different folks. And the air of that way of thinking is that we we believed, I didn't, but there are people on our side of the political aisle who believed that it was okay to do this, believing the lie that, oh, they only want to live their lives the way they want to live their lives, and we can go go ahead and believe what we believe. But no, there's always going to be this point where there is absolute contradiction and absolute confrontation, and now we have the seeking of permanent abortion, permanent homosexuality, permanent loss of election integrity, permanent opening of the border, right? And you can go on and on and on and on. They seek and defend <laughs> their new order with more permanence, more more of a spine than anybody on our side has ever um, resisted. Yeah, and if anyone were to rise up to try to change those rules— they wouldn't they wouldn't back that person and say, yeah, it's time for more change. <laughs> yeah, suddenly the Sheryl Crow song that we began with, A Change Will Do You Good, only applies if the change is in accordance with what they think and believe, right? They don't yeah. want you to change their way of thinking. They just want to change as much as they're comfortable to change. Once yeah. they're uncomfortable, nah, we're good. <laughs> yeah, so they just want to serve different masters, but they certainly are not for this idea of permanent change for change's sake. They just want to make it seem that way until they achieve their destiny, at which point they want everything to be permanently according to their wishes. All right, guys, any final questions or should we leave the room? I guess we can leave. Mm-hmm. Let's go. <laughs> That's all the time we have today, ladies and gentlemen. We actually had a little more time, but nobody wanted to talk. So thanks again to our icebergs, our producer, and to all of our listeners and supporters. In the never-ending battle for hearts and minds, we aim to find and develop young men and women who, like the men of Issachar, understand the times and who know what to do. And how can we know what we're to do? Unless we we believe what is true. true. (laughs) My name is Kevin Kukaji. Those are the icebergs, and you've been listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists.